0: Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad.
1: Why, hello there.
0: Hello. Caitlin, what is up? Well,
2: you know, just membership chilling.
0: I wondered. I wondered. Um, and of course, <laughs> myself, Alex. Um, so this month, we're sitting down with Matt Schwartz, policy associate and resident privacy expert here at the Op Association, to walk us through our white paper about government restrictions on the platform privacy and security measures and the impact it has on small business. Um, but before we get into that, we're gonna hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. Speaking of security, January 20, 1999, 23 years ago, one of the first major malware attacks hit businesses and consumers across the globe. The Happy 99 Worm, also known as SCa or iWorm, first hit inboxes in January 1999. The malware invisibly attached itself to emails and displayed fireworks to hide changes being made to the device. Um, a display message when uh, then wished the user a happy new year Um, and this happened without the user knowing anything nefarious had ever happened Um, the happy 99 worm was the first of a wave of malware that struck Microsoft Windows computers over the next several years costing businesses and individuals untold amounts of money to resolve Um, happy new year (laughs) Um, and the rest is tech history That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Brad and Caitlin, what are the top tech headlines?
1: America's race to 5G kicked off with an abrupt halt earlier this month after the rollout caused issues between airlines, wireless carriers, the FCC, and the U.S. Department of Transportation and led to severe travel delays across the globe. Earlier this month, at the request of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Verizon and ATT, AT&T took their 5G services live, but quickly agreed to pause deployment for two weeks after airlines canceled hundreds of flights over safety concerns. 5G services are now back up and running, except for limited areas near airports and similar travel hubs. We'll keep you posted on the complete rollout of 5G in future episodes of TechSmart.
2: Ahead of tax season, the IRS announced a new requirement to use online services. Your face. (laughs) That's right. Beginning this summer, if users need to access tools like the child tax credit update portal, they're going to be directed to create an account with a third-party identity verification system, then upload a government ID, and then take a video selfie to verify that government ID. While this new step has been created to help prevent fraud, many have flagged privacy as well as racial discrimination concerns over the use of this facial recognition software. Users who do not wanna provide a photo of themselves or create an account have been directed to request information by mail. For more information on this, head to the show notes.
1: Earlier this month, the Biden administration expanded the list of degree programs that make international students eligible for a three-year work permit in the US. This step is part of an ongoing effort to strengthen the United States' STEM and STEAM efforts. The policy was designed to ease the path for foreign students and professionals in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math to remain in the US on a long-term basis. To learn more about this initiative and the potential impact, head to the show notes.
2: And before we sign off what's brewing, Congress, particularly the Senate, has been very busy with markups for competition and privacy-related bills. Now, we're going to touch on some of those in our conversation with Matt here in a second, but the long and the short of it is, is there was a markup last week where senators in the Judiciary Committee discussed Senate Bill 2992. During this markup, nine senators from both parties echoed many of the same concerns that we're going to chat with Matt about, like that the bill pokes too many holes in privacy and security protections, and most importantly for our members, would further shift competition in favor of larger companies. But after all that, the bill ended up passing out of committee, but with some amendments. We can likely expect the Senate to continue to take up this issue in the coming weeks and months as the bill heads to the floor. And of course, we'll keep you posted on Techswamp in the meantime. And that's all for What's Brewing.
0: As we mentioned earlier, we're being joined by Matt Schwartz, policy associate and resident privacy expert here at the App Association, um, to walk us through our white paper about government restrictions on the platform privacy measures and the impact it has on small businesses. Hey, Matt, we're so excited to have you join us.
3: Thanks for having me, everyone.
0: Um, It's gonna be a good one. I'm super excited to talk about this paper. Um, But before we dive into the findings, I want to sort of take a step back and give a little summary about kind of like the state of privacy as it relates to competition. Um, Throughout 2021, we saw lawmakers across the globe taking a closer look at the relationship between like large digital platforms, market power and consumer outcomes um, on privacy. And, And this really resulted in a wide range of policy solutions that attempt to balance both imperatives but if you ask
2: us or maybe the small business app developers that we represent a lot of the measures that are being considered by congress and in state legislatures um, across the u.s don't quite strike that balance that they're hoping that the legislation would Um, some of these proposals require app platforms to make some compromises when it comes to privacy and security of their ecosystem ecosystems in the name of competition
1: and many of these sacrifices would undermine overall trust in app stores, and as a result, in many of our member companies. And that is a trade-off that we just do not believe needs to exist, as legislators and regulators scramble to introduce these antitrust proposals.
0: Which, by the way, is meant to be directed at large tech platforms. Um, But the entire goal of this kind of legislation is to create more competition by empowering smaller companies. Um, But unfortunately, this kind of legislation really does have the direct opposite effect.
1: Which is why it's so important for lawmakers to take the perspective of our small business members into account. These proposals absolutely stand to disrupt the secure app ecosystem our members have built their businesses on and negatively affect the very competitors they seek to empower.
0: Absolutely. So because of all these proposals, we have recently published a white paper that takes a deeper look into the implications of government restrictions on platform privacy measures and the impact on small app developers. And uh, who better to talk us through that than our resident privacy expert, Matt Schwartz. So, Matt, um, can you kind of give us an overview? What are the key findings uh, of the the paper, kind of the top line?
3: Yeah, totally. Um, I think the first thing that we can talk about, which I think you guys covered a bit, is just kind of this idea that the platform antitrust bills that we're talking about essentially create this trade-off where some of the perceived flaws of uh, the state of competition in in the large platform space are kind of being put on a pedestal over some of the good privacy practices and tools that uh, platforms actually create and that our members can take advantage of. Um, and I think, you know, as a result of that, some of these bills uh, like S2992, which was just marked up in the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee last week, if they were to pass, the entire secure ecosystem of app stores could be thrown into question, which is only going to, to hurt our members. And the th- the second thing is, you know, I mentioned some of the, the privacy tools that our, our members take advantage of that could be made illegal or at least uh, seriously curtailed by these types of bills um, that was kind of another key element of, of the report uh, things like privacy labeling app tracking transparency these are some of the newer innovations at the platform level that consumers are really taking advantage of especially if you look at the uh, opt-in rates uh, for app tracking uh, in, in in particular uh, that kind of make it easier for, for good app developers to show how they're protecting consumers' data. Um, if we assume that those privacy features are, are anti-competitive because they deprive uh, certain third parties of, of consumer data, I think that kind of represents a fairly substantial step back for the industry from a from a privacy perspective, and would probably do more harm than good, uh, especially reputationally, uh, going forward. And then. You know, another big element of the white paper was just kind of looking into how sideloading mandates in particular would undermine uh, user trust in in, in apps. Um, I'm sure the listeners of this podcast are probably already aware of the sideloading issue, but I think one thing we wanted to highlight in the report was just uh, to show how by forcing uh, platforms to allow sideloaded apps, uh, the end result kind of might actually be less competition as the quality of apps uh, consumers use degrades over time. So the idea behind that was just kind of if, if users download a side-loaded app that might be low quality or fraudulent or just straight-up malware, they're going to start to reduce their their purchase and download of, of apps, uh, especially to try and reduce it only to those developed by bigger brand names who they, they've you know already heard of and they can, they can trust. Um, and I think, you know, from our small business member perspective, that's going to hurt us because we don't have that, that type of, of brand trust and we do kind of uh, often rely on, on the trust that the app ec- ecosystem currently has because there is very little malware in the current, uh, the current app store, especially the Apple app store. So that was a- another key uh, element of, of the white paper that we wanted people to take away.
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, you know, you just mentioned consumer trust. Um, I want to kind of talk about, you know, requiring app platforms to make compromises and the problems that that could lead to with consumer trust. This is something we've definitely talked about before on the podcast, Um, but it's, it's definitely worth diving into again because you know those small developers are members, have the most at risk when it comes to losing that consumer trust. So, what what is in these kinds of proposals? Um, you know, like the Senate bill that you just mentioned, um, and how do those provisions start to erode consumer trust for for small business members on platforms?
3: Yeah, so I think in terms of you know the side loading issue in particular, there's a few uh, different ways that that the bills that we're talking about can can get at this either through kind of a general prohibition on excluding third parties from the platform, which could be interpreted to include app stores themselves, or uh, through restrictions on impeding third parties from accessing the same hardware operating system or or software features as the platform. And so I think the problem with that type of language is that privileging all third parties in the same way. Could lead to some very serious issues when when those third parties don't take the same care as as kind of currently exists in the ecosystem. So I think you know basically if we end up with more sketchy apps on people's phones because the app stores aren't allowed to vet them properly or they they can be downloaded from anywhere, people are going to naturally start to trust apps less, uh, especially when they get burned by some fraudster. And so, like I was saying, the the smallest players in the ecosystem are going to be. Uh, the ones that get a drop-off in usership, uh, you know, as as bigger brands uh, take those downloads instead. So, you know, I think there's some research in the paper and elsewhere that that shows uh, how bigger companies are often more resilient to reputational harms than than smaller companies. Um, who just don't kind of have the resources to earn back trust, even when the underlying harm wasn't even their fault, which would be true in this case for our members. So it's kind of easy to imagine the same scenario playing out for for small app developers.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for breaking that down for us and the listeners. Um, One of the other key findings has to do with how heavily developers and their customers rely on the privacy features and the risk of those being stripped. Um, What can you tell us about the impact that would have on developers?
3: Yeah, I think that gets to a major problem with how these bills were drafted. Um, The platform's going to have to meet a very high bar to convince a court that its privacy features do not harm competitors and we're kind of the the least anti-competitive way to do that privacy feature. So, you know, for example, it's, it's easy to see something like app tracking transparency just getting eliminated because it could be said to harm Facebook's advertising revenue. And Facebook is a, is a competitor to Apple, obviously. Uh, you know, in reality, I don't think that many people actually have a big problem with Apple creating a higher standard of privacy and uh, depriving Facebook of that information. Um, and in fact, some, some folks in Congress have recently introduced... Uh, legislation that w- that would kind of mandate that type of thing anyways. But, you know, and, and I think developers too, uh, especially those who are not monetizing through really uh, invasive behavioral advertising, um, like these types of privacy features because it allows them to uh, have an easy way to differentiate uh, themselves from some of those who do gobble up a lots of data. Uh, you know, privacy labeling is, is probably another one that that our members like to take advantage of because it allows them to kind of quickly get down all of these uh, privacy features that they have and, and tell folks straight up where their data is going. And I think that's a good thing if, if you're a good actor. And so just generally, yeah, I think um, the framing of privacy in these bills is something that you, as something that you have to, to prove to a court is okay. It's just kind of a, a, a real negative for a lot of the stakeholders involved here.
0: Absolutely. And I know we've sort of touched on this a couple times, but um, it's something that I know our members think a lot about, which is sort of this idea of sideloading. And, um, you know, sideloading for, for those who are still a little bit unsure, it's really sort of this process of downloading and installing mobile apps onto a device done sort of through an unauthorized third party app store or straight from the web. And I think that the concern is like if this is something that becomes mandated, what then? What then is really going to happen? Obviously, there's trust, but are there are there sort of other things that we're concerned about?
3: Yeah, I think the trust is is the main thing. Honestly, um, we know from from uh, stats uh, given out by the platforms that that a lot of malware comes through those uh, those apps that are, are downloaded, not through official app stores. Um, I think we saw something that. Like 99% of all ma- malware in in app store uh, in app stores comes from apps that were that were siloated, um, which is allowed on on the Android surface right now. Um, you do have to click through a few warnings, but that that's allowed. So just kind of goes to show that um, the vetting that the app stores do uh, is is doing a lot, actually.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also think this is related to sort of the last kind of thread I wanted to touch on, which is sort of um, you know. I think what these bills do in a way uh, that is maybe not being talked about at sort of a wider level, which is why it was so important that we put out this paper is like, there is an impact not only on developers, but also on consumers. Um, And so, you know, obviously for our members, um, consumer trust really matters. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what what we are sort of saying when we're saying consumers trust in in sort of
3: developers and apps? Yeah, um, you know, in the white paper, we give this example of uh, two music production apps that are that are directed toward kids, um, you know, nominally you could say that app would be competing with Apple's Logic software because that's a music production app, even though it's not directed at kids, and thus it would kind of fall under the protection of of the platform antitrust bills. You know, the problem comes in for consumers when one of those apps. Takes advantage of these new protections in these bills and starts serving targeted ads to children. You know that's against app stores' uh, terms of service and it's a COPPA violation, obviously. But if the platform loses its ability to review and vet apps or get in uh, a peek into the code to see that everything's being done fair or square, the app's going to be able to use its ill-gotten gains to kind of get a leg up over its competitors using that new stream of revenue. And so, you know, what this does is just kind of create a race to the bottom mentality that, you know, not only hurts the apps that are trying to compete fair and square, but also uh, the children who are using that app who don't uh, now have that protection uh, that the app store used to give, to give them.
2: And so for consumers, you know, we know that they face a whole slew of issues when it comes to privacy, not just data privacy, but actual safety. Um, this is really alarming when you consider, you know, privacy and safety provisions um, that platforms provide that keep kids safe um, while they're using the platforms, while they're on their device. Um, Matt, can you kind of talk us through what some of those provisions look like and, and what is at risk if, if they're removed?
3: Yeah, definitely, that's an important kind of distinction to make. There's a lot that the, the platforms do in terms of making a safe experience for children that could be, you know, pulled out if, if these bills were to go through. So there's a lot that, that platforms do in terms of, of, you know, setting parental controls and, and vetting apps going into the app store for content to make sure that if it's directed towards children, that the content is a-okay uh, for children to actually view. And so you know, if these bills were to go through, it would set a really high bar because of the affirmative defense that we were talking about before in terms of uh, what, what, what a platform can do without being sued in court, and so, uh, yeah, they might have to step back from their kind of parental safety role, which is, again is going to just create a, a less safe ecosystem for, for users.
0: Yeah, I feel like it also kind of puts a lot more on the consumer. You know, one of the great things about platforms now is you kind of go, you download something, and because of all of the things that exist at the platform level, you, pre- you feel good about it. But then like now, you know, as a parent, you would have to go and, you know, do all of the research about this app in a way that I think you sort of don't right now, which like maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but the reality is it's not what's done right now. And if that goes away, it reduces use of the app store. So I know it's something that our members are definitely um, thinking about. Um, well, before we let you go, um, is there anything else that you want to sort of leave listeners with and, and to sort of think about and consider, uh, as, as some of these bills continue to pop up and, and maybe even about the white paper as well?
3: No, yeah, definitely. I think we just kind of wanted to reiterate this idea that we, we do think that, you know, competition is important, but we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and totally, Uh, kind of put it on the pedestal over privacy in this way you know and I think we're already starting to see a lot of members of Congress kind of come around to this idea in the markup last week you had a ton of Democrats kind of expressing their reservations about how privacy was dealt with in in, in these bills and uh, you know even when uh, Graham and I have been speaking with uh, Members of different committees, uh, the Energy and Commerce Committee, who obviously doesn't have jurisdiction over this bill, but does have jurisdiction over privacy, they're very worried about uh, the way that that privacy is kind of framed up in, in these bills as well. Even if they're on the same side as, as the sponsors, so you know, we just want to make that clear. We don't have a problem with, with necessarily with with these competition bills. Um, if they were to, to find a, a better way to deal with the privacy issues.
0: Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been a great uh, conversation and also want to make sure that people know that the white paper will be available in our show notes so that they can go read it. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us today. Thanks, guys. And now it is time for Random Identifier. Brad, you are up first.
1: Of course. The band I wanted to talk about today yes. is actually one that our very own, Alex Cook, recommended to me a number of months ago. And I listened to them a little bit, and it didn't quite take. Um, but now I've become obsessed, and my enjoyment of their music is very reinvigorated. And that is the Greeting Committee yes. from Kansas City. They are... Super fantastic, particularly their first full-length album. I I can't stop listening to it. I really can't. So thank you for that recommendation.
0: You are welcome. They are great. Um, And I am glad that you like them.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting music, too, because she's got a great voice. Oh, such a good voice. Um, But they also, particularly on the first album, have a lot of, like, strange strings and horns that don't feel like they'd really belong in like an indie rock album yeah but they fit so well it's it's just such a unique music and i i really appreciate i'm actually seeing them in a couple weeks now i think 15 days from now i will be seeing them
0: that's so exciting i also really like them they're like a super they're like young too and i feel like that like is part of why they've been so like experimental kind of i i am yeah i'm Thrilled, thrilled that I made a good recommendation.
1: Yeah, you absolutely did. This this random identifier was brought to you by Alex Cook. Yes,
0: I love that. I like
2: that at the beginning, Brad was like, Alex told me about this band and at first I freaking hated them. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I didn't but hate them. But then I listened to them and
2: I realized she was right and they're the best band and I love them.
1: Okay, I didn't mean to sound <laughs> that harsh if it came off TLDR, that
2: that's what happened. <laughs> I
1: listened to them and they were okay. But then I listened again and they were awesome.
0: No, I get that, though. Sometimes you need a couple listens for, like, an album to really, like, hit. Yeah. And then when it does, like, mm. that's it. I just like trolling Brad, obviously. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I liked it, too. The war I on Brad do.
1: continues.
0: <laughs> um, well, in addition to the war on Brad, Caitlin, what do you have for us?
2: Well, I have this coworker who I hate. His name is Brad. Oh, <laughs> Ow. ow. Just kidding, Brad is amazing. Um, for all of our listeners who are doubting that right now, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm here to chat about uh, an internet sensation named West Elm Caleb. Yes. Um, and Ooh. I think it's a very like interesting lesson in um like internet culture. Um, and I'm sure like most most people know who West Elm Caleb is, but if you don't, he basically is a man um, who used dating profiles in New York City to date. What seems like hundreds of women that overlapped with each other at different times, he would send, um, he made the same, uh, playlist on Spotify, but named it different things, like several times, you know, 20, 30, 40 times. I'm not sure how many, same, same playlist, sending it to all the ladies. Um, and then someone posted a very vague TikTok about being ghosted by like a guy and the The people, I guess whose video this got pushed to on their FYP were like, "Wait, is this uh, West Elm Caleb like from Hinge or whatever? And then all these women in the comments were like, "Wait, it is. He did that to me too. Wait, you got that playlist." Oh my gosh. And they all came together to like crowdsource like, oh my gosh, this guy has been like ma- emotionally manipulating us all for months. So, but then what turned into, like, community and, like, women talking about, like, a shared experience then turned into, like, a doxing event where then Caleb's identity was uh, revealed. He then, like, was receiving threats. His physical safety had been threatened and, like, all because, like, he did some, it sounds like very questionable at best, but, like, not kind things to women. Um, But then the backlash that he received, a lot of people are saying, doesn't quite equal, um what what he did because his physical safety is at risk. I think he I don't know if he had to quit his job, but oh like gosh. yeah, no. There's like there's a lot of, of like drama around it. Brands got involved. <laughs> um, different furniture companies are like, you don't have to worry about Caleb, like when you buy from us, stuff Yikes. like that. So like I mean, obviously it sounds like he was doing some some very not cool things and, and is maybe not the best guy to date. But then the opposite end of the spectrum is like the internet really really escalated the situation and and made it into something that was even more so.
0: Yeah, it's, like, balancing sort of the, like, I think intended humor of sort of, like, all of these women being, like, lol, all got screwed by the Mm -hmm. same person versus, like, um, yeah, danger to him and his, like, life. I mean, I feel like you can sort of be a bad person to date, but maybe don't deserve to...
2: Have your, like, home address be yeah. published on the yeah. internet?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it escalated it's like, quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Very that's, quickly. Yeah, that's, like, a hard thing, I think, about, um, yeah, internet culture in general is sort of, like, that line and where it sort of fades Um, Yes, but apparently West Elm Caleb is in therapy
2: and has been reaching out to some of the women who he uh, was manipulating and was like, I'm actively seeking help, like all of these things that I've done are wrong. So I'm like, okay, like a a little bit of a redemption story here. There's like a slightly happy ending, despite the fact that you probably need to move, um, maybe witness protection. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: but like glad that he has looked at this as a learning opportunity yes
2: it could have gone a very different way it could have for sure for <laughs> sure. double down ended up on joe rogan yeah knows, oh so gosh
0: right. um, <laughs> um, well <laughs> um my um i'm gonna say that my random identifier is somewhat timely um so listen uh it's mm-hmm. we're like you know it feels like year three i think it is year three Three, basically yes. of the pandemic um it's been an interesting time for all of us it's been a challenging time for all of us i think we've all um tried to cope in different ways um apparently i'm at the point uh where i've regressed <laughs> to some degree to like sort of a former version of myself um i was um a youth uh in sort of the uh, 90s was sort of my time but then um the 2000s is really where i caught my groove And and by that, I mean, I was an awkward 13-year-old who, like, shopped at Hot Topic. So, like, obviously, I also um, watched a lot of content on MTV and one of their very famous shows that I thought was sort of, like, not only the pinnacle of humor, but just, like, also, like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, I think like where I modeled my taste in men off of whatever the point I is. I knew that's
2: what you were gonna say because I
0: felt it too. Because I felt it too. <laughs> um, but so there was a show um, that was called Jackass. That was the name of the show, um, and uh, and I have uh, over the last couple weeks proceeded to like rewatch said show and subsequent movies. Relevant because there's a new one coming out on February fourth. <laughs> Um, which is very funny because like all of the dudes are like in their like forties and fifties. Oh my gosh. I have to watch that. Yeah, me too. Clearly. Um, <laughs> um, but it's like, honestly, the thing, the thing about it is like, I, I watch it and I feel better. Like it does make me laugh. It does sort of remind me of an, of a simpler time. Um, it is, there's like a level of camaraderie between them that is like sort of delightful to experience. It requires absolutely no thought on my part. Um, and uh, I guess I'm just here to say that it's really, um, it's really brought some joy into what has been a, a relatively stressful time in a way that has allowed for me to sort of, I think, bring some of that joy into my daily life. So I'm gonna say thank you to MTV and Jackass for this uh, for this gift. Uh, they never knew they were giving it to me, but, um, they did, and now I get to enjoy it again on February 4th.
2: I'm so glad you you informed us about the new movie, because I yeah. remember when the, the first movie came out. I think I was in high school, or maybe it was the second movie. But it was such a co-ed event. Yeah. Um,
0: I I, I was talking about this recently, because I believe the first movie came out in, like, maybe 2002. Like, I was 12, mm-hmm. and my friend and I, um, I grew up sort of in the D.C. area, and there was a mall here called White Flint Mall, which is now... Been destroyed. But at the time, it was like there were two places you went to watch movies. And one was White Flint Mall because we could all walk there from our homes. And the other um, was like downtown Bethesda. So anyway, my friend and I went to White Flint Mall and we got Aunt, Auntie Ann's pretzels and we snuck them in mm-hmm. our purses. And then we, we bought tickets to see like we were 12. So we bought tickets <laughs> to see a show that you yes. like a movie that you could get uh, tickets for mm-hmm. as a 12 year old. Um, and then we snuck I'm, in to, to, the first Jackass movie, <laughs> which was definitely rated R and we were definitely not 17. And, um, and, um, Oh, Oh, the joy it brought us. We even like, I think we like both bought it for each other that year for like our birthdays, like on DVD. Oh you my know what gosh. I mean? Like it was, it was well, really, I that you guys
2: were breaking a ton of rules. It was like first the
0: pretzel, yeah. then the ticket. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, cause we sort of wanted to sort of, of model some of their behavior, but like not the dangerous stuff, just the sort of like, right you know, rebellious stuff. Yeah. What a time. Right, I'm like, sure. worst
2: case, they're going to call your mom, not right. worst case, you're going to, like, break your entire body.
0: Exactly. We didn't do the dangerous stuff, um, although that is what um, – the, the that whole thing came out of, like, skateboard culture, which is also what inspired me to skateboard. Turns out I suck at skateboarding, so, like, good that I let that dream go, but, um, yeah. I, I really can thank that show for a lot of things. Uh, that honestly brought joy to my life, so – here to continue to thank them for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, so that is it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And we now have transcripts
2: available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on Podscribe.com. Just search Tech Swamp.
1: And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate and review. Five stars only, please.
0: That's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. 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 bye.